Welcome back to another episode of the Super Nintendo Bros Podcast, the only Nintendo show that, at least I know of, where we go into full discussions of anything and everything Nintendo-related and also give out our very special, super highly coveted Super Nintendo Bros seal of quality in every episode other than years in review, as you clearly saw on the last one. Joining me today, I have got the official party bus of the Mushroom Kingdom, Russ Bus. Hello there. How you doing? Uh, I'm I'm doing okay. Did you play any ROM hacks over the weekend? Uh, no, not not this weekend. No, you think, Maybe you think another Justin weekend. played any ROM hacks I've, over the I weekend? I finally caught up. I finally caught up on a, a, a lot of the banjo ones. Gotcha. Uh, but we don't have to talk about that in this episode. That's fine. That's fine. We don't yeah. have to talk about that. I don't think Justin. Maybe maybe we could have a, a mod special and just have Justin here. Just you could just hear him seething. I want you to host a mod special. Like, I wouldn't be on the episode. I'll just be over here watching, but Justin's your co-host on that one. We won't tell him what's going on until the episode starts. Then it's too late. He can't that's, a good, leave. that's a good plan. He can't leave at that point. Don't let him listen to this episode ahead of time. <laughs> As always, I am your host, Roger. So I brought you here because there is an area of expertise, which I always try to cater the episodes around my guests' area of expertise. That's one of the things that I pride myself in doing on this show. It helps really enhance the content. I don't know anybody who's a bigger fan of Nintendo's greatest third-party partner. Well, arguably, Nintendo's greatest third-party partner. Rare. Well, I mean, specifically Banjo-Kazooie. Specifically uh, Banjo. But, I know you love Banjo. But there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of good stuff there as well. Uh, since this is an audio podcast, unfortunately, you can't see my rare wireframe hat, banjo uh, hoodie, banjo shirt, and banjo socks. They don't make banjo uh, pants or banjo uh, underwear yet. I can't believe there's Un- not like at least banjo pajama pants that exist somewhere that you can get on the internet. Maybe on Etsy or something. I'm sure there's got to be something. You, you, you need to look that up and if so, order them. And next time we all get together, to there's, there's a banjo hat that I am tempted to get on Fan Gamer. Because you need the whole, you need like the entire outfit. That way, next time we all get together for Smash, you'll yeah. piss Michael off that much more. Oh yeah, just like get make some pajama pants that are like gold feather pajama pants. Making making Michael mad is always a fun time. I love making Michael mad. Oh, yeah, it's great. I think I've I think I've broken some some hearts on Discord sometimes just from some of the troll things I've said. <laughs> oh, trolling on the Discord. By the way, if you guys are not on our Discord, it's a blast. You can find the link to our Discord in the description of the episode. So I highly encourage all of you to uh, to jump in and participate because we like throwing out hot takes. We like discussing Nintendo. We like discussing non-Tendo. Uh, we just have a good time there. And we give each other shit and it's fun. Yeah, and I like so, to talk about Sonic, uh, ROM hacks, uh, other things to myself. Big things nobody, that Michael nobody, and Justin love, Sonic yeah, and yeah, ROM yeah, hacks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, one of those hot takes uh, might be brought up in this episode here. Awesome. I'm, call, I'm going to call you out. Really? Yes. You're going to call me out? Yes. Okay. Well, you, well, are, you, well are you prepared to call me out on something? Well, I, I wasn't really thinking, planning on calling you out, but I, I think I know what you're going to call me out on. Now, okay. now that you okay. bring it up, I think I know exactly <laughs> the hot takes that I have. Well, just one, just one. we got to keep it within the discussion. Well, it, it, it's fine because it definitely it fits a topic. So it only makes sense that you are going to be the one to bring that up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so today, we're like I said, we're going to talk about Rare. We're going to kind of bring you a history of the relationship between Rare and Nintendo. They unfortunately used to be, although they're on good terms because Nintendo and Microsoft, they're buddies. Uh, spoiler alert for the uh, discussion of Rare and Nintendo. Rare and Nintendo are no longer affiliated. Rare is owned by Microsoft. I still don't understand that decision. Right. But, um, you know. Considering 
they, I mean, it's not really within Nintendo's wheelhouse to buy a company unless they absolutely have to. Right. That's why I think they bought Next Level Games, uh, Luigi's Mansion uh, developers. I think you're right. Um, but that was because they were shopping around for someone to buy them. And Very true. they realized that value. I don't know why they, maybe it's just a different era of management. It's Mercury's team. It's my opinion, but. Well, I mean, until until somebody's looking to buy them, right. there's no reason to. Very good point. Very good. It's point. Nintendo we're talking about here. Like, why would you not want as a another developer to uh, work for Nintendo? You know, and speaking of rare, this is a discussion I don't think you and I have ever had. Like, you know, Justin and Michael, they're they're on the show regularly. I know, like Justin's favorite game of all time. I know it was Final Fantasy VII. It's secretly Skyrim, but he won't admit it. Um, Michael, I know his favorite game of all time is Metroid Prime Two. I don't know your favorite game of all time. So before we really dive in. I know it, there's probably a solid chance that it might be a rare game, but what is your favorite game ever? Ah, man, putting me on the spot like that. Right? Like that's, it, it's tough to say because uh, I mean, I have I have the the uh, average game that I love, Path of Neo, Matrix. Uh, I mean, Mario Galaxy 1, I think has, uh, that's that's going to be another discussion, but yeah, so we're gonna, uh, Mario, Mario Galaxy, Mario Mario Galaxy, Galaxy 1, I replayed that on Switch and that that's like, man, that's that's really high up there. Yeah, uh, it really Ban- is. Banjo-Kazooie is, of course so high up there and then there's the games that it's like i just go back and randomly play because they have a special place in my heart for some reason half-life 2 portal 1 uh just it's 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 not an easy not an easy question to answer yeah i, I, I mean i'd have to give more thought right i mean so for some people it's, it's easy it's like oh yeah this like for me it's, it's left to the past I, I understand like that's probably nostalgia fueled oh yeah but i just i love that game I love it. It was a game that I always compare other games to, and I always think about. So that's, that's why I always say it's that. A fun exercise: go play Link's Awakening on Switch, and then go play Link to the Past right after that on the on the Switch Online. On the Switch Online, I'll because because the movement, the way the way Link moves in Link to the Past is a little bit rigid compared to that. And, right. Um, you do kind of wish that they had maybe not a remake necessarily, but some enhancements. They did something. Maybe if they were. Well, you know, I I wouldn't mind having a look to the past remake in the style of the Link's Awakening remake. Uh, of course, you know, I just I just recently uh, I just recently beat Link Between Worlds, which you know on our last episode I talked about that I had been playing it. You know, I just recently wrapped that up. So, you know, maybe to play Link's Awakening and then play Link to the Past that could be really good uh, conversation context for an upcoming Zelda episode. But yeah, I, I started replaying uh, Link Between Worlds. It's a good uh, time. It's really good. I've forgotten how good it was. It's good stuff. Yeah, and yeah, I'm a, a couple weeks out of it. I, I'm I'm still sitting here, like, kind of wondering where I leave it in my like ranking of Zelda games. But that's another topic for another time. Because unfortunately, well, maybe fortunately, Zelda is not a rare product, and we got a lot of rare products to talk about. Yeah. So a lot of people don't realize because I think a lot of people think that Rare and Nintendo really started more on the SNES, because the first time that Rare was really in the limelight with Donkey Kong Country. But it goes back way further than this. You know, there are several rare developed NES games. Um, out, of, out of all of them, I would say there's probably only one that has any real notoriety as far as, you know, being a cultural and, you know, gaming hit. Um but there are also some forgotten gems that Rare did for the NES. I'm going to kind of roll through a few of these smaller ones uh, before we get to, like, the main Rare titles on the NES. Um, Wizards and Warriors was 
you know, kind of a bigger game for me when I was a kid. It's one that we rented a lot as a child. RC Pro Am, fun little uh, racing title. Yeah, that's not bad. On the NES, game, yeah. it was you know, it's pretty pretty well known. Uh, the Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune games on the <laughs> NES were actually developed by there. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I guess when you're starting out, you got to take some licensing jobs just to make some money, huh? Yeah, and the same thing is, you know, you won't find those on the. On you're not going to uh, find that on Rare Replay. replay. No, <laughs> exactly. No. Uh, WWF WrestleMania was a uh, rare game that exists. Yeah, yeah, that, that does exist. The Sesame Street games, Sesame Street One, Two, Three. Oh, I mean, those, rare teaching there, kids. There's, there's my favorite game right there. I mean, I mean, I figured it was. This, yeah, this is rare teaching your kids since 1989. On the NES. For context, I was born in 89, so right. uh, a lot of NES stuff isn't quite as relevant to me. Uh, revisiting it after after the fact, long after the fact. Right. Um, this was infamous for being terrible. Who framed Roger Rabbit? Good Rabbit movie. Good movie, not, not, good, not a great yeah, game. Yeah, great movie, bad game. Watch the movie, but do not play the game. <laughs> That's really the best advice I can give you on that. Um, of course, Wizards and Warriors had some sequels. Uh, they did Double Dare, so they probably they really like making game show games. Um, <laughs> did a Spider-Man game on the Game Boy, but uh, to kind of go off that, let's talk about the, there's a couple, what I consider maybe a little bit of bigger. Oh, it's Snake Rattle and Roll, also kind of a cult classic. I think I played that for a hot minute in Rare Replay. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to get back to that at some point. Um, but kind of their first game that I remember uh, I didn't play this rare game for other games, but the the one that I that's the earliest game that I can remember being like truly good was Marble Madness on the NES. I can't say I've uh, played that one. Never played Marble Madness. No. It is frustrating. Which hard. is which is funny because I, I love like Marble Blast Ultra and, and other similar games that uh, are heavily inspired by Marble, Marble Mad yeah, Madness. It's, it's, I recognize the the importance of the of the game. Don't get me oh, wrong. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and this is you know this is the one that started all for that kind of subgenre, and it is on Red Replay. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, let me go ahead and process this. For those of you who are listening to Nintendo podcasts because you love Nintendo, maybe you haven't, you know, taken a dive into other consoles. Rare Replay is a compilation of rare games that is available on the Xbox One and Xbox Series. Uh, it was not on the 360. It was Xbox One and Xbox Series S slash X. 30 games to celebrate 30 years of Rare. Yeah, and there Obviously, are... it's been more than 30 years at this point, but... There are some really good games, by the way, on that collection. Like, it's one of the better compilations of games, maybe ever. The the biggest shame, shame about that is that that collection is the best way to play some... And for some people, the only way to play some of Rare's uh, games. I'm sadly right. Yeah. Sadly, you are right. And there's some bangers that we had from Rare, but there's also some, some kind of garbage that's been out through the years. But the first really, the first truly big Rare success came in 1991. And that is a little game that nobody has ever beat in the history of mankind called Battletoads. I mean, if you use Rewind enough, I've beaten it. You can use Rewind and beat it, yes. Yeah. But good God, that Turbo Tunnel. The Turbo Tunnel. Good times. If you've ever played, if you've never played uh, Banjo, or not Banjo. <laughs> yeah, well, welcome back to the Banjo podcast. Yeah, yeah well, welcome back to the N64 discussion that we, we're not even to yet. <laughs> if you've never played Battletoads, so Battletoads is a uh, 2D brawler. The best thing to compare it to would be like the Double Dragon games or like in a modern, in modern terms, or if you're looking at like more modern games, think of like uh, Street to Rage 4, which is available on the Switch. 
uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, uh, River City Girls, games like that. This is or the Battletoads game that's on next. Oh no, wait. <laughs> Comparing it to itself isn't a no, isn't helpful. That game's wild, and I really want to play through that whole thing. I've played a little. It's a good time. Yeah, I played a little it's, bit. It's, it's yeah, it's it's, it's crazy. It's, it's yeah. nuts. Oh yeah, in a good way. Um, but one of the things this game is known for is its high level of difficulty. Yeah, you you can attack your uh, friend. Yeah, in the game. So if you're going down the zip line early on in the game, you can just kick them off and they'll fall to their death. Oh, for sure. And that 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 counts against you. That yeah, you don't have that many lives to start with. Yeah, and. Um, I think, and I know, like, as a child when I was growing up, this is a game that I would rent a lot. Um, but I, obviously, I could never get past the Turbo Tunnel. And I think that was the the wall that most gamers got to on the NES was the Turbo Tunnel that they would never get past. It doesn't It doesn't get better necessarily after that because you have this giant wheel. Yeah, it only gets harder. And, uh, yeah, that giant wheel, you have to press the exact right direction on the D-pad to go continue because the wheel kind of hugs the wall hey we gotta have we gotta talk about and then music. there was a pause music and michael you might have to remove this because we might get a copyright strike do, do, do. i mean i you kind of just want to turn the game on and just pause it just for that music oh yeah uh michael i don't know what the minute mark is on the podcast as far as recording is concerned but um just heads up there there could be a copyright strike I'm going to text him right now, actually. He's probably got to edit this podcast, or maybe he won't have to edit it because people don't pay for this. Uh, possible copyright strike. Check recording. But yeah, um, yeah, the game only got harder from there. So th- kind of go further into the policies before I get back to Turbo Tunnel. Like, I kind of just want to turn the game on. It's in the of YouTube, you don't have to do this anymore. But turn on the game, pause it, and just listen to the music. If there's, if there's a... One thing Rare is also known for besides the games, it's the music. Rare has great music. Uh, shout out Grant Kirkhope. Grant, Grant Kirkhope, David Wise. Yeah. Graham Norgrit. Which, you know, they they did a lot of the soundtracks for games like Donkey Kong Country, Banjo-Kazooie. Um, as far as newer games are concerned, Grant Kirkhope did do the uh, soundtrack for uh, Ukulele. Uh, Impossible Lair. Yeah, and the it was, Impossible it was, it was more of a collaboration between, like, all of them, I think, on the Ukulele games. And then... Grant also did uh, Mario Rabbids and the sequel. I forgot Spark. he did the Mario Rabbids games. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he's he's great. Um, so, the Turbo Tunnel. This basically forces you onto a vehicle in a, what starts out as a kind of a moderately, a, at a moderate speed in a an auto scroller that just gets faster and faster and throws multiple obstacles and ridiculous jumps, including jumps with obstacles at the end over bottomless pits. Yeah, so some of the, some of them are kind of trolly. Like you, you'll see a ramp, you'll want to jump it, but you actually want to jump over the ramp, if I recall correctly. Yeah, because if you actually just take the ramp as you normally would, uh, you you die. You die. Or if you don't take the ramp and do what you're supposed to do, you die anyway. It's because it's that fucking hard. And it's 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 just that much more amazing when you see. Sorry, Justin, I'm going to mention speed run, but people do people do the <laughs> the turbo tunnel blindfolded. Because it's the I've same. It's, it's the same pattern every like time. How, oh, yeah, that's the only way they want to do it is because they memorize the pattern. Like I can't even do. I have gone. I've gotten through the turbo tunnel once. I can't say I've done it legit once. Yeah, I've done it once. I believe it was on. Did this game not get a release on the Wii Virtual Console? That's that's a good question. I don't know. I don't recall if it did. I I feel like I I use save states to get through the turbo tunnel. No shame. <laughs> 
No yeah, shame. I don't. I don't really have much shame in saying that I played it on Rare Replay and that it has a built-in rewind feature. Right. So that's. So it's, I mean, that's basically save states as well. Yeah, and if you have to use like the rewind feature or save states to get to the turbo tunnel, there's like no shame in that. Or, that or is, any other part past that. Yeah, because like everything, everything leading up to the turbo tunnel is just getting you ready for it, honestly. And then it doesn't. It doesn't get much easier from there. Um, moving off Battletoads, like it did get some sequels. Uh, on the SNES, it got two sequels. We had uh, Battletoads and Battle Maniacs. Yeah. Um, and then there was also uh, Battletoads and Double Dragon, which I know Battletoads and Double Dragon got a Genesis version. Uh, I don't think Battle Maniacs did. I think Genesis got like a uh, an upgraded port of the original Battletoads that was made like, in the 16th because Genesis does what they don't at that time. And that is provide a prettier version of the original battle modes. Yeah, but then you have the Genesis audio chip. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Worst. Uh, you know what? Nothing against the Genesis. I was never a Sega kid, but whew, that audio is... There, there's some fun games in the Genesis. Don't get me wrong. That yeah. audio is flat out bad. Unless you're unless you're playing like Sonic and you're listening, you're jamming out to Mushroom Hill Zone or something. Well, that's a good one. Or Angel Island Zone and uh, yeah. Sonic 3. Welcome yeah. to the Super Sega Bros podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Something about Angel Island, like Angel Island Zone is always one of my favorites. Sky Sanctuary. Sky Sanctuary, yeah. Man, this is this is now a Sonic podcast. So we've now pissed off Michael and Justin. Who's left? Who's left, who's left um, to make mad? Ryan Turner, uh, his his favorite his favorite Pokemon is uh is Psyduck, I believe. Or Golduck. Golduck. Golduck, Golduck yes. Yeah. At least out of the original 151. What are your thoughts on Golduck? <laughs> uh I, I don't have anything against Golduck. I'm happy that to hear that uh, Snorlax was on top five in that episode. Mm. Because Snorlax is my number one. There you go, Ryan Turner. We can't piss you off today. Nope, sorry. We got the other two. No, no, I can't. And Max has not been introduced on the show just yet. So we, we can't piss him off. So he's been on the show. Who? We piss him off. Who? <laughs> he's that other guy who gets hot takes in the Discord a lot. Oh, yeah. Who I've got guy. scheduled for a few episodes. He just hasn't been on yet. He's coming soon. If you listen to post-game content, he's that guy who I want to narrate my life. <laughs> because his voice is like silky, sexy, smooth. He's got the voice. The narrator. Of everything he should he, listen actually no i'm going to save that for when he's on because i just going to be my introduction <laughs> welcome back to the max pro- podcast welcome back We're to, talking, to, the, about max. to the max sega rom hack podcast with knuckles and, and, knuckles. <laughs> and knuckles featuring dante from the devil cry series um so yeah that was kind of like the big breakout game uh for rare really was battletoads and they carried that over uh it the Battletoads and Double Dragon, just to clarify, also got an NES release. So we did see that on the NES. They had Game Boy games for Battletoads. Like, this was big. If I remember properly, it even got, like, a Saturday morning cartoon. Again, it, as, a, as a kid born in 89, I would not have known about that. I'm going to I'm going to fact, check myself, fact check myself on that. If you guys hear any strange noises in the background, I just want to let you know that um, one room away, uh, Michael and Justin are smashing. And they're smashing really hard. We're also in downtown Fairmont, so you there, there have, could be shots fired. Yeah. I mean, it's previously I, I can be honest and 100 percent upfront with you that I can't remember the last time we recorded an episode of Super Nintendo Bros. And there weren't police sirens in the background <laughs> at some point during the episode. Um, yeah, there was at least a cartoon pilot in 1992, uh, but I don't think it ever got picked up as an actual show. Uh, I'm just going to kind of share the title screen here with you for the cartoon, if you've never seen it. That does look vaguely familiar. Yeah, it's but... like super 90s. I don't know that it ever got an official uh, official release, though. 
but yeah, well, it's kind of like it's kind of like their version, their way to counter like Ninja Turtles. It's like, hey, we want something to be as cool as Ninja Turtles that we can just sell like hotcakes. So let's let's do Battletoads. It worked. I mean, Battletoads was a was a big hit. Well, Saturday morning cartoons based on games were kind of a thing because you had Captain N, you had well, excuse uh, Mario. me, Princess Zelda. Yeah, the Zelda cartoon that was pretty cringe sometimes. Sometimes, how about that kiss, Princess? Oh boy. So moving off of Battletoads, because obviously that was that was our cash cow for a couple of years. Um, then they started releasing, they started branching out on the Super Nintendo. And we got some pretty good Super Nintendo games. Uh, starting in 1994, they really started, they started moving away from Battletoads. And we wouldn't see Battletoads again for a very long time after 1994. Uh, the last official Battletoads release was actually Battletoads and Battle Maniacs for Genesis. Or, I'm sorry, for Master System, not even the Genesis. Ouch. Yeah, so <laughs> that's the last thing we would see from Battletoads for decades. We'll come back to Battletoads later because it did get... A, actually, we'll not come back to Battletoads later. We'll come back to Battletoads now. We wouldn't see <laughs> Battletoads again until Rare was no longer associated with Nintendo when it got a new game on the Xbox One in 2020. I don't even think it was primarily developed by them. I think it was developed by another studio, but with with their blessing with, with, and, yeah, and with support. Yeah, with their blessing yeah. and kind of over Overwatch. Yeah, not the game Overwatch, but because like, again, if there's one other thing to know about over. Rare is that they they don't necessarily want to keep doing sequels to the same games over and over. Mm -hmm. They want to branch out. They want to try different genres. They want to create new experiences that people haven't had before. And the Battlefield game on the uh, Xbox does a lot of that. It's a genre bending. That's the best way to put it. <laughs> I've not played the game all the way through. I'm going to play it this year. It's on my 2023 uh, games to beat list. So I'm going to come to it soon. Do you actually stick to that list? Because I could I, try I could try making a list and that's I'm not going to stick to it. I know. So I know Justin right and I, we both make these lists every year. Uh, we always end up playing some games on our lists. Uh, we never play all of them. Um, like, for example, Link Between Worlds was on my list for this year. Doing a replay of it. I already beat it. Um, as well as Tunic was on my list. Justin's beat a couple of his. He beat Penament and he beat Cyber Shadow. Um, but Battletoads is indeed on my list, so it's going to happen eventually. Fun fact: Justin put Mario Galaxy on his. We've already brought the game up a couple times. Yeah, can play that. Which uh, I think maybe he'll come to the uh, come to the realization that Hot Take that's the best 3D Mario game. But that's another discussion for another episode. I don't know if that's necessarily a hot take because I, I I agree with you there. It's not a hot take for us. So back to nineteen ninety four. We got the first game that Rare did that wasn't Battletoads for quite a while. And this one became... if Okay, so if Battletoads put Rare on the map, this game made Rare known as one of the best developers in gaming. This game changed gaming with its extremely uh, high-quality graphics for the time. We'd never seen anything like it. They took an old IP of Nintendo's, completely changed the genre away from just basic arcade games, made it the prettiest game available at the time, and changed platform games forever. I'm talking about Donkey Kong Country. Oh, I thought you were talking about Donkey Kong 94 on the Game Boy. Oh my god, I love Donkey Kong 94 on the Game Boy. I might have to say that that might be the better Donkey Kong game of 94. Yeah, but it wasn't by Rare, so it's not, you know, uh, yeah. it's not for this episode. No. But it's, uh, not, it's not Rare, so it's trash now. That, that, that's probably a hot take, 
of Donkey Kong 94 being better than Donkey Kong Country. I say that, but also I want to say at the same time, like, that is not a knock on Donkey Kong 94 because I love that game. I, I absolutely adore that game. But Donkey Kong Country. Yeah, those Silicon graphics at work. Did you, um, when you were growing up, when this game was being uh, promoted by Nintendo pre-launch, did you get the VHS tape in the mail? I think, I think we might out? have had that, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know if it was only to Nintendo Power subscribers they were sending that to. So Nintendo was sending out VHS tapes in the mail, and they came packaged in, like, these green palm tree packaging um, to where the VHS, like the slipcase, it was, like, literally had, like, the, the trees from Donkey Kong Country. I think it might have been bananas on it as well. Yeah. And it was almost like it was a 30 minute long, like super commercial for Donkey Kong Country. And when we got that, my dad and I watched it together and we wanted that game bad. Because at the time, my dad still played games back in those days. Uh, he was a big Mario guy. He loved Zelda. Um, he loved Donkey Kong Country when it came out. Uh, he, he still was really big into playing like real games. Now he just plays like little seek and find games or uh occasionally like a pacross game which nothing wrong with pacross pacross is a great it's a good time. Is yeah good. he's more of a casual gamer now of course he's in his 70s so he doesn't play a whole lot of like real hardcore games anymore um in fact this is one of the i don't want to say this is the last game that i remember him really getting into and playing but it is one of the last games that i'm him truly investing time in this one and illusion of guy were the last two that i'm him really going for um, which that's also not a rare game, so that's besides the point. I'll talk about it another time, though, because I also love that game. You know, for a rare, rare discussion, we sure do like to talk about non-rare games. Non-rare <laughs> games? Yeah, I feel like we've talked more about non-rare than we have rare. So Donkey Kong Country, uh, at the time, was, like I said, a groundbreaking game. This is a top-notch 3D platformer. 2D platformer, sorry. 2D platformer. I think what really helps this game is the what, what some people like to call coyote time, where if you... Uh, Especially when you're rolling. If you roll off the edge, you have just that extra little bit of time to get a joke. jump off. Yes. And that can that, that can really help out with uh, some of those difficult jumps if you understand and abuse that mechanic. It's like, the best part about that is you could do that without killing a Yoshi. Yeah. No, no Yoshi's killed. <laughs> for, the, for those of you who know what I'm talking about in Super Mario World. Just a reminder that it's the uh, same universe as uh, Mario, right? It is. Yeah. So... Technically, all of those dead Yoshis exist in Donkey Kong Country. There's like a pit of dead Yoshis somewhere. How do you think those trees uh, grow to be so tall? Oh, shit. This got really dark. Like, it went from dark to darker. <laughs> yes. So so what we're saying is we can confirm that the trees in Donkey Kong Country, the big tall trees, and all those vines were fertilized by dead Yoshis that Mario dropped off of uh, ledges when he was trying to get a better jump or was about to die on a jump. Circle of life. The circle of life. This is my, this is officially one of my favorite episodes ever right now, just for that comparison. Dear God, we're going this is to why you, This is why you don't invite uh, me on. We are going to Nintendo <laughs> hell. Oh my God. Okay. Also known as Sega. Also known as <laughs> Okay. Um, and Donkey Kong Country also introduced a lot of uh, mainstay Nintendo characters. King K. Rool, he's in Smash. Diddy Kong, he's in Smash. So obviously... These are main insane Nintendo characters, even though technically Rare owns King K. Rool. Do they own King K. Rool? I feel like they might. Um, don't like, don't quote me 100 percent on that. I'm not 100. I mean, that might be why uh, the non-rare country games have. Yeah, because if you notice, other... the the, Krem the the Kremlins or Kremlings. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. They are not in the uh, newer Donkey Kong Country games that retro that retro did. 
Um, those were replaced by different enemies, which, by the way, those are also fantastic games. You ever see that meme of a Kremlin death sound for Smash? No. And it's just it's just a, a looping video of oh. It's kind of like um, I think I think no, it wasn't Mega Six, Mega Six Four, the Giant Bomb podcast. Yeah, are you familiar with Giant Bomb? Yeah, I'm familiar. So, yeah. do you remember back when uh, Mario Maker came out? They uh, introduced DNX Goomba. Yes. So where like they like make infinitely spawning Goombas out of like the uh, the green warp pipes. Yeah, yeah. And every time one of them would pop out, uh, the giant bomb guy would be like, "What?" Like DMX does. <laughs> <laughs> and really, and if you look, like they kind of have like the same like facial features as DMX. Rest in peace, DMX. DMX was awesome. Um, I'm not a big rap guy, but DMX, you were a badass. Anyways, this is getting worse and worse. <laughs> like, this is like something Michael and I were to This is getting outright bad. Let's try to stay on topic. If we, if we keep digging far enough down, we might make it out <laughs> the other side. So, I mean, so far, we've got a copyright strike over the Battletoads pause music, uh, Yoshi fertilizer, and bad, we're not talking about a poop. Bad impression of a Kremlin. Yeah, bad impression of a Kremlin and a DMX Goombas. We do not listen. We do not hold the copyright for DMX Goombas. That is a giant bomb. Please, YouTube, giant bomb DMX Goombas. You'll you will thank me. Killer Instinct followed up also in 1994 from Rare, which was that was Nintendo's first fighting franchise. That was like that was actually other than Punch Out. If you want to consider that a fighting game, which I don't. No, no, no this is much more in the. This is more I mean, a traditional fighter. It wasn't that long beforehand that Street Fighter really made the fighting franchise what it is. Right, because Street Fighter 2, I think, was 1992. Yeah. And it, it revolutionized the fighting genre. Um, so this was out around the same time. This is around the same time that like, Mortal Kombat kind of came into fruition. Nintendo decided, and they used the same graphical engine that they used in Donkey Kong Country. And then we had Killer Instinct. Now, this is a franchise that uh, was also long forgotten, like Battletoads was for a very long time. Uh, they got two Nintendo entries. Of course, they got the Super Nintendo Killer Instinct. It got the N64 Killer Instinct Gold, I believe it was Killer called. Killer Instinct Gold based on Killer Instinct 2. Yes. Uh, 2 did have a planned version for the Super Nintendo, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was, but, Killer Instinct 2 was the arcade cabinet. But like many things, uh, late Super Nintendo has just moved over to the N64. Exactly. Which is fine. If it had, a, it had an arcade cabinet, it was very, very... Um, successful i personally didn't play a lot of killer instinct i've never been good at fighting games but i can i can appreciate and respect them and just smash buttons it has pretty cool characters like i like the character designs in killer instinct i've never played much of it um but if i'm gonna play like a traditional 2d fighter i'm gonna go back to like a street fighter 5 uh or street fighter 6 which is upcoming or like guilty year or something along those lines i mean i just play smash that's that's the only thing i'm good at smashes <laughs> and by I good mean, i mean let's be real here uh, smash is the go-to yeah marvel versus capcom also a good time. Also not a Nintendo game. Or a rare game. Uh, the this, this is the uh, the rare tangent episode. So Donkey Kong Country got a Game Boy version. No. A D-Make, a D-Master, yeah. Donkey Kong Land. Um, let's let's be at least be fair here. Comparing Donkey Kong Country to Donkey Kong Land is not like comparing Super Mario Bros. to Super Mario Land. Super Super Mario Land is just not. I know. Not, you, I know how you feel about Super Mario Land. Uh, but I've never. Uh, to be fair, I've I have not given uh, Super Donkey Kong Land nearly as much time I've as Super Mario Land. Never played Donkey Kong Land. I have beat Super Mario Land. I've never touched Donkey Kong Land. One of my hot takes for the episode that I have to say is uh, I don't think the Game Boy has aged well in some of the games. Some of the games you're correct on. Yes, others have aged pretty well on the regular Game Boy. 
when we do a game by episode, um, it's like maybe akin to what we did with the GameCube recently. Yeah, we'll get into if, more if of I'm that. on that if I'm on that Game Boy episode at all, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a rough time for everyone involved. I mean, you gotta look. At, there's a lot of games on the Game Boy that didn't age well. Let's look at you know, Metroid Two. Uh, but then there's also you gotta keep in mind too. There's games that did age well. Super Mario Land Two. Age po- fantastic. Pokemon Red, Blue, Yellow. Yeah, and that's really where my list ends. Um. So. The Killer Instinct of it in 1995 did get a Super Nintendo port. The 1994 release was an arcade game, but obviously it's still in the Nintendo wheelhouse at that point. Also in 1995, we got a quick turnaround, and we're not going to talk about this game a whole lot right now because we're going to talk about it a whole lot here in a little bit. Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy's Kong Quest. Diddy's Kong Quest. I love that. That's my favorite point ever. Diddy's Kong Quest. And I didn't notice it for the longest time. Yeah, I think it's one of those that kind of like went under the radar when we were younger. And then when we were adults, like, oh, Diddy's Kong Quest. Ah, I'll see what they did there. We're going to come back to that because we're going to discuss that in our uh, Super Nintendo Bros. Steel of Quality here shortly. Um, Wasn't there a a third game in Donkey Kong Country series? No. No, there was not. Um, Okay, so moving on to the N64. Yeah. So, uh, 1996, Donkey Kong Country 3, uh, Dixie Kong was Double Trouble. I've tried to get into that game multiple times, and I, I really can't pinpoint why that game just doesn't work for me, like so, the first two. I'm going to be upfront about Donkey Kong Country 3. I think it gets a bad rap. Donkey Kong Country 3 is a fine game. It's it's good. It's perfectly fine. Nothing nothing wrong with the game at all. Um, it's just not as good as the first two. Uh, there's several things that I think worked against it. First, the fact that, okay, this is the third year in a row we've got a Donkey Kong Country game. And at this point, we've taken Donkey, Donkey and Diddy completely out of the equation. Yeah. So one, for one, you're getting fatigue on the series for back-to-back-to-back releases. Two, you've taken away Donkey and Diddy and introduced Kitty, who fucking sucks. Nobody likes Kitty Kong. N- nobody likes Kitty Kong. Has, I, hasn't even shown up in... Like any, yeah, any he was never seen game. again. No, and I want to point out too. I love Dixie Kong, so I, for me it was cool. Like I was fine to play as Dixie Kong. We need justice for Dixie Kong. Yeah, Dixie Kong. Smash. She should have been a Smash. She's one of the more. Uh, she's probably the most fun character to play as in the Donkey Kong games, just because she's so unique compared to Donkey and Diddy. Um, I think the art style also worked against because they 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 made subtle changes between one, two, and three, and three is where they they made some. I would say questionable decisions. Um, Correct. Just, and that's not just in, like, it's an enemy design, Kitty Kong's character design. Some of those bosses are just downright ugly. They are. It's probably also, I would argue that Donkey Kong Country 3 is also the easiest of the Donkey Kong Country games. Um, and, and, yet, thing, and yet I still don't want to play it. Yeah, for real. Um, and another thing with that is, like, it's also, like, it's retreading the same story again from Donkey Kong Country 2. So Donkey Kong Country 1... Uh, Donkey Kong's bananas all get stolen. Uh, Donkey Kong Country 2, Donkey Kong gets stolen. Donkey Kong Country 3, Donkey and Diddy get stolen. I'm not going to knock against that too much considering every Mario game, uh, almost, almost all of them, some prin- princess gets kidnapped. Yeah. And I, I, I wanted to use the word stolen just for continuity purposes. I, I know there's a word called kidnapped, but it was continuity from the first one. Don't you mean Kongnapped? Kongnapped, yes, thank you. Did that mean the bananas got banana napped? Possibly. Okay, so they got banana napped. Um. Yeah, it's it's the worst of Donkey Kong Country games, but like honestly, like, it's still worth playing. Uh, a couple of years ago, I played all three. I think it was 2020 where I played all, through all three of Donkey Kong Country games, and I definitely enjoyed it the least. But I also played it played it after playing one and two in order. 
So that might have had something to do with that, but I don't think so. I think I truly think like it is the weakest of that series. I had all three of them on the SNES growing up. It's it's fine. It's a fine game. You can't like you can't go wrong playing it, but you can go a lot better than playing it. I'd rather go back and replay the second game because it's been a, it's been a hot minute for me. Did you, did you play Donkey Kong Country too? Yeah. Um, I'll give my hot take on that game, which I don't think is that hot of a take when we get into our field of quality I, discussion. I have a very hot take on that. That I everything's think, a I hot take a lot of now. People, yeah, I think a lot of people will agree with it though. So also in '96, that's when the Nintendo 64 launched. So we're going to start rolling into N64 games. Uh, Killer Instinct Gold, of course, was an N64 game. Yeah. We already talked a little bit about Killer Instinct. And again, I didn't play Killer Instinct Gold at all. I've never played the game. That was a that was probably a rental for us. Yeah. Literally never touched it. But we did, in 1997, we got a slew of N64 games. Rare was just firing on all cylinders with N64. They were. So the first one we got on the N64 was Blast Core. I'd, such such a good game. I don't think I remember playing this. Is this on Rare really? Replay? Oh, yeah. It is on it Rare is. Replay. Yes. Okay, so tell us about Blast Core. I've never played it. So it is this insane plot of there is this explosive device that is out of control and constantly on a path towards uh, destruction. And you have to uh, clear out buildings and other obstacles in order for it to get to safety. Okay. And basically the entire game is just clearing out these obstacles to eventually get it to a safe explosion area. And I would argue that this is the first rare release on the N64. Even though Killer Instinct Gold came out first, Killer Instinct Gold was an arcade port. Technically. Yes. So this is There's like, some enhancements, but yes. Yeah. Rare followed that up with what might be their most popular game of all time, which rumors are by the time the next episode of Super Nintendo Bros. comes out, we may be playing this on Switch and Xbox. That's Goldeneye. I, I know you're. Uh, I know you love your game. That's that's. That, I mean, that's that also has to be up there as one of the best for me. Right. I know you love Goldeneye the game. 64. You and I have had many arguments. Over how well GoldenEye aged, which I think yes. I think we can kind of go a point I, I, to yeah. agree that if you're playing the original on the N64 itself and the N64 controller, it has not aged well. However, with mods and ROM hacks. Or or the leaked Xbox Live Arcade version. That it has aged much better in those. Which formats. we still don't know if the Xbox version is going to be that. It does not look like it. We know nothing. I think uh, I think it's gonna be if you are, if you are not familiar with it, you can look up uh GoldenEye XBLA. And just see, uh, it, it had the same trick as uh, Halo uh, CE Anniversary Edition, where you could swap between original and new graphics. And uh, just having twin stick uh, controls for that game and six frames per second. It, it's it's definitely worth checking out if you I'm have resources to do that. I'm definitely looking forward to checking out the re-release of GoldenEye here. Me too. Rumors are it is coming out, it is coming out this month, January of 2023. We'll see. They're running out of January 2023, but this is the kind of game that you should. I'm running about. out of my patience on rumors, though. When when the rumor mill no longer even in, uh, bothers to say that Bloodborne is happening uh, on <laughs> on PS5 or, or PC. <sighs> Don't get me started on Twilight Princess and Wind Waker HD. I do, I do this every episode. What's not? <laughs> Met Metroid Prime uh, Remake? Metro Metroid, Metroid Prime, Prime Trilogy Port? Yeah. Metroid Prime 4? <sighs> yeah, rumors are... I, I, I've just given up on them. You know what else came out in 1997 for the N64? It wasn't only N64. It was Donkey Kong Land for Game Boy. Uh, we're not talking about that game. We're uh, talking about the we're talking about the other game that released on the N64. Um, this is my hot take that I'm going to say. I know Justin outright 
just completely disagrees with me. I think you do. Josh, too. Justin's gonna beat down that door coming here and he has uh, flip the table. He's probably gonna flip the table because he's on the other side of the wall, but he probably won't hear me because I'm not gonna yell into the microphone. Um, Diddy Kong Racing is better than Mario Kart 64. Changed okay. my mind. Okay, so around Christmas time. I decided to play a little bit of Diddy Kong Racing because there are Christmas-themed levels, Christmas-ish yeah, levels in uh, the uh, winter area. So I actually made a beeline straight to there first. Uh, went back to the first, um, like the prehistoric ra uh, tracks, got some more balloons, and then went back and finished up everything except the boss. Um, I can't say I agree. Okay. Your your hot take made me play a little bit, but also because it was Mr. Christmas Cossel. time. Um, Speaking of, did you play the new Christmas level that came out in the Wave 3 and Mario Kart 8 uh, expansion? Yes. Pass? Yes. That was a good time. Yeah. But they, that's not a hero there. Rare, Rare does a great job with uh, the having Christmas in, in video games. This is not the only one. Yeah, because there are some cool Christmas levels in, the, in one of the next games. But I got, but I got to say, I got to say, um, no, you're wrong. The drift, The drifting mechanic compared to... The, the multi-stage uh, boost that you get in Mario Kart 64? No. If you drift for too long, you spin out. Drifting is no question better in the Mario Kart games. I will... I'll, I'll item variety. That. Item variety is better. Yes, there's the gimmick of uh, upgrading your weapons, but I feel like having 10 missiles that don't lock on versus one homing missile is a downgrade. There, there's weird decisions. I like the Diddy Kong Racing story mode. The boss idea. Yeah, the story, the story mode is, is, is a strong suit. Some of those bosses are uh, a bit unfair. <laughs> and I like the fact that it does give you replayability in more than just the fact that, oh, this is a great game to play multiplayer. There's, right. you know, you, there's, there are more single player reasons to go back and play Diddy Kong Racing than there are any dog, any Mario Kart game. I mean, you're not, you're, you're, you're out of line, but you're right. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> however, part of your hot take was saying that Mario Kart 64 just, what was it? Just not a good game anymore? No, or, or... I, it's not one of, not one of the better Mario Kart games as far as, um, if you compare it to newer games. And I know, I, I know that you, you got it as well. You're comparing it to newer games. Okay. But I also say Link to the Past is the best Zelda game. That's comparing it to all but two other Zelda games in existence. And we've, we've talked about this on Discord, but it's, it's, it's a bit rough to talk about, uh, like the first 3D Mario Kart, which, I mean, there's one leg up on Diddy Kong Racing is uh, full 3D. Mm -hmm. It was just sprites for the uh, characters in it. Uh, right. I mean, I mean, there's maybe a dozen polygons for the, the, the racers true. in Diddy Kong Racing if you're not, if you're not uh, the main kart racer. But And don't get me wrong. Um, I think Mario Kart 64 is a fantastic game. There's no denying that. But I'd rather play Double Dash or Mario Kart 8. Or Mario Kart 7. I'm not taking the bait on Double Dash. I know you're not a big Double Dash guy. No. Double Dash is awesome. Um, and I have a bigger hot take than that. But, but. Save it for another time. No, yep. Not going to do it. Take the bait, Russ. Uh, so one of the cool things, too, about Diddy Kong Racing that I wanted to bring up, it introduces for the very first time two characters that will become major players in Rare's library. Tip moving top. forward. Yep. Tipped up. Tipped up. And what's the tiger's name? Little tiger? Uh, yeah. The yeah, tiger and tipped up. Yeah, yeah. Gaming legends. I think, uh, no, but to be serious though, I think tipped up was planned to be in some other I game think, at some I point. I think you're right. Um, and that just 
really got repurposed into the, uh, I'm, I'm gonna guess the next game you're talking about. The first of these characters is Banjo, which is the next game that Rare launched. Banjo-Kazooie on the N64. And I know how much you love Banjo-Kazooie. And I think Banjo-Kazooie is a fantastic game. I think it's, I think it is right up there with Super Mario 64 as far as 3D platformers is concerned on that system. I'm gonna say it's better. That's honestly, it's, it's hard to argue with that. It's, it's a, it's a, tough, I don't have a, a strong argument against that. I think Banjo Kazooie has a uh, better time handling camera issues compared to Mario 64. I think, well, here's the thing I think Super Mario 64 as a 3D platformer soared so that other 3D platformers could soar a little higher. Yeah. And I'm not saying that as to say, well, other 3D platformers are better than Super Mario 64 because, um, most of them are not. Most of them are not Mario Galaxy. Right. Most 3D platformers are not as good as Super Mario 64, but it set the groundwork for other 3D platformers to come in and set the tone for what 3D platformers tend to be, and that's collect-a-thons. So Mario 64 made it so that 3D platformers are amazing games. And then it got shaped by Banjo into the, the typical formula for that genre being a collect-a-thon. To the point so that Mario has followed that. Other rare platformers have followed that. Ukulele has followed that. Several other games. I mean, Ukulele is specifically... I mean, it's an homage to Banjo. Yeah. That, that's the whole reason that game exists. Mario Odyssey is... Uh, if you haven't played Banjo for whatever reason, and you have played Mario Odyssey, uh, Odyssey kind of takes some inspiration in that sense because you don't you're not kicked out of the level after getting every collectible. You're, you're, you're free to work around. You have additional collectibles to... Uh, get other than the main uh goober right so um you know what justin loves about banjo kazooie what's that <laughs> the dialogue ah yeah where yeah. little is just random like grunts and animal noises yeah justin loves that he talks about how much he likes that all the time great voice acting fantastic voice acting. fantastic voice acting come and have a go if you think you're hard enough that's <laughs> no that's 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 a uh, mobo jumbo Ikum Bokum. Ikum Bokum. Then you got Grunty. Omanaka. Grunty's a great villain. Yes. Grunty's a fantastic villain. Um, the next game that Ban that uh, Rare released was based on the other of the Diddy Kong Racing characters that got their own franchises. This was actually a Game Boy game. Uh, there was a really cute little squirrel in Diddy Kong Racing. His name was Conker. Then uh, they had already announced a... Um, an N64 game for Conker. Conker 12 Tales. 12 Tales. Conker's 12 Tales. So Conker is an adorable-looking baby squirrel. It's adorable. And before his 12 Tales game really got off the ground and released on N64, he got Conker's Pocket Tales on the Game Boy Color, which was a nice little, nice little platform, a little action-adventure game. Uh, cute little guy. He's a little slingshot. You know, he's uh, very kid-friendly. It's Conker. Yeah, yeah. It's Conker kid. Conker is kid-friendly. Very kid-friendly uh, for now. Um, then they return to the N64 Jet Force Gemini. <laughs> Oh, man, I don't even have that on my list. Yeah, wow. Jet Force Gemini. Uh, I've only played this once, and I played it... I think it was on Rare Replay. Yeah, I'm going to have to check it out on Rare Replay. I can't remember if I played it once on Rare Replay or if it's something that I checked out when it, when I uh, had a 64 very briefly during the mid-2010s, but it's kind of a cool little like third-person shooter action-adventure game. Um See, this is this is part of uh, the detriment of uh, how many games they released in a short time. Is uh, 
I didn't have the resources to just buy every single game. So oh, for sure. I never really got I never really got to try Jeff Force Gemini at the time. You yeah, know, and, you gotta and, you gotta pick your battles. Like review wise, it was, you know, it was like an eight out of ten for a lot of outlets. It's nothing it was I don't think it aged particularly well because when I did play it, I was like, eh, this is this is okay. Nothing that I felt like I needed to go back to. Uh, they did follow that up later in 1999. With, with, it has a uh, it has a very helpful ROM hack where you can switch columns at any time. It's a game called Donkey Kong 64. Yes, um, if you if your main complaint with uh, Donkey Kong 64 is the constant backtracking, there is the ability to switch columns at any time, uh, either through GameShark or I think there's a better implementation with a ROM hack. Uh, this is this is kind of on the fence of where where the collectibles start to go off the deep end. I feel because each Kong each, you have four Kongs. You have to unlock three of them through gameplay. You have to get golden bananas. You have to get the uh, banana coins, one of which is infamously uh, hidden in a pile in the ground that uh, is covered by grass. So unless you know what you're looking for, you will never find it. Uh, that counts towards 101 percent completion, I believe. Um, I understand the games a lot. I never really played much of it, but I really want to. Like, I'm waiting for this to come on Nintendo Switch Online. One day, possibly. One Hopefully. day. Uh, and then every Kong has 100 bananas to collect on every level. And and each Kong is allergic to the other's bananas or something. You can't you can't pick them up. No, They're grayed out. They, they you got to go back. You got to go back to a barrel. Like they will literally swap. die if they touch them. In fact, it's my understanding that one time Diddy Kong touched one of those bananas. And it was so bad that he ended up dying. And like, for some reason, his body decayed into bullets that were later used in uh, Perk Dark. Wow. Yeah. Which so, also takes place so, in the same universe. So I didn't have, I, I did not have as big of a issue with Donkey Kong 64 as other people have. I played that game. I got 100% completion or, you know, whatever the max percentage is. Um, yeah, there's a lot of backtracking in that game. And I don't think the level design works as well as Banjo-Kazooie. I found that there were a lot of uh, semi-large areas connected with weirdly long tunnels to them. And, I don't, that, and maybe this is a limitation of the engine, a limitation of the N64. Um, just, they do that just, expansion pack just to get the game to run, you know? Yeah, they, were, yeah, they infamously had this uh, memory leak they couldn't track, out, or track down. And their solution was just include the memory pack. Yeah, which, I mean, really, there's three main, three notable games that had to use that. Uh, the first being um, Majora's Mask. And then, of course, Donkey Kong 64. And then the other one is the next game we're going to talk about, which is Perfect Dark. Perfect Dark. Where, with, the, with the Diddy Kong uh, dead body bullets. <laughs> oh, man. Man, this, uh, is, this is dark. It's perfectly dark. But I'm... And we just got canceled. Um... Wow. Bad jokes. Bad jokes. Bad jokes. <laughs> Perfect Dark was not, in my opinion, was not as good as Goldeneye. I'm not really no. a Perfect Dark fan. I don't care for it. I I, I, I think Dark. there I think there are some levels that have uh some rough edges that, that can throw people off and just you just don't want to complete the campaign after yeah, after I, so, like, not, not to say that Go, uh, Goldeneye doesn't have that as well. I think there's some difficulty spikes in some levels. Uh, like I could do double O agent up to a certain point. And it's like, this is, I don't find this fun. Right. Uh, there, there's some other fun that we had in, in, in perfect dark. You have uh co-op, you have counter ops where your buddy is one of the random, uh, enemies and they're trying to hunt you down, but it's all split screen. So for whatever that's worth, you can just look at where they're at and 
pick them off as Joanna as well. And yeah, I, I had the game. I didn't care for it. I came back to it a little later on and rarely play. I still didn't care for it. It, it uh, definitely controls better uh, thanks to the um, Xbox Live Arcade port. I agree. Now, they did come back to Perfect Dark a little later. There was a Perfect Dark 2 kind of rumored. Perfect Dark on the Game Boy Color. Released the same that. year. Yeah. And, and it uh, had, uh, I think it had connectivity to the N64 game through the <laughs> Pokemon Stadium transfer pack. I forgot about the transfer pack. Yeah, probably so. And they, they were planning on a Game Boy camera functionality where you could put your face in the game. All, all uh, you know, 100 by 100 resolution or, or, you know, whatever pitiful resolution that camera was uh, mapped to a face. The next rare game was Mickey Speedway. Or not Mickey Speedway USA. Um, that was a Game Boy game. Um, it was... Where did that go? Yeah, Mickey Speedway USA on the N64. They had a little license game. Had, that, uh, that exists, yes. Yeah, it exists. It wasn't, I, uh, I would assume it's a decent game. I, I it never is not really as good of a kart racer as Mario Kart 64 or Diddy Kong Racing. I would assume it has to be at least decent because it's using the same yeah, it, technology. Yeah, it used Diddy Kong Racing engine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure it's fine. But uh didn't, didn't really take off. Like, yeah, it's fine. Then we got Banjo-Tooie. This. I never played Banjo too. I know uh, I got a little dark at the beginning. So I played through the first hour. Yeah. And spoilers. Bottles dies. Bottles, rest in peace. I mean, not really, if you played through the rest of the game. But right. uh this game just doesn't doesn't do it for me as well as uh Banjo Kazooie. No, uh as much, I've as, I, heard... as much as I love the first game. This 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 game uh, So the first the first Banjo Kazooie really excels at uh having kind of these sandbox areas you can pretty much understand the layout just from walking around and by walking around you'll naturally get jigsaw pieces um the, the notes kind of guide you along the level um this game literally puts notes in bundles because they just kind of throw them away as a collectible like yeah you still need them but who cares it's this is the other side of the tipping point from Donkey Kong 64 where collectibles now are just kind of okay well we got to fill it up with something yeah and the level so of the gameplay at that point level design i don't think is as strong you can go around for a half hour or an hour in a level and not collect any jiggies because the requirements for jiggies are now much more involved some of them require you to go between multiple levels in order to uh get one right and well i mean backtracking can be kind of nice but in Banjo Kazooie, it was kind of nice to, that you could just go to a level, get pretty much everything. I think there's one or two levels that are an exception, and uh, you could be done with it. You can move on to the next one. It's, it was a good, it was a good pace to just keep going forward. Following Banjo Two, we had the final N64 release by Rare. Uh, we've got the return of that cute little squirrel, that cute family-friendly kid-oriented squirrel that is no longer family-friendly or kid-oriented. Uh, it is now definitely a game for adults only. Uh, Conker's Bad Fur Day, which at that time for a console game was hard to believe it existed, especially on a Nintendo system. What's funny is the Xbox version uh, actually bleeps some of the curse words. That, yeah, that were not censored. In the, you, would think it'd be, you would think it'd be the opposite way, but nope, not one bit. When when the first, well, one of the first bosses in the game is called the Great Mighty Pooh, when it's a giant sludge pile of poo that had his own song. 
that I'm not going to play because we already have one possible copyright strike on the episode from the Battletoads uh, pause music. Two things I got to say about that game. First, they realized that with Conquer 12 Tales, they were getting a little too similar with uh, Banjo-Kazooie being a cutesy sort of uh, family-friendly platformer. So they had to pivot. Um, I don't know what percentage completion they got on that before they pivoted away. I, I would like love to, to see... I would very far in because you got to keep in mind, this game had been announced that it was in development for probably three or four years at that point. Yeah. So I th- I honestly, I'd say they were at least 50% of the way done with the game. Had to I thought, I, I, thought I heard they were pr- practically done. They probably were. I would love for that to leak someday. Yeah, like I, there's been there, the, the past few years have been great for for leaks of prototypes, betas, what what have you, like nearly complete games, uh, some not so nearly complete, and um, Conquer. That's that's still on my list of like I'd love for that to to happen. Uh, Definitely a funny game. Lots of sex jokes. Not appropriate at all for kids. It's a fun platformer though, despite the fact that it's made of like you know really immature like. I don't want to call it fart jokes because it's definitely more adult than fart jokes. Uh, but it's a fun game. A lot of people really like this game. Also, you got to be aware that it's a game of its time because it yes. does a lot of uh, This game references. could not release in 2023. Well, no, because the Matrix isn't relevant anymore. <laughs> Alien, Alien ref- might not be that relevant now. Yeah. And the content that would be considered uh, very taboo at this point as far as... Um, Jokes that you shouldn't make. Political correctness. Uh, Not as much those with the cultural references, though. I mean, just just don't play this with your parents, you know? Like, right. Um, they, they, but yeah, the, don't bring your six year old around and say, "Okay, buddy, we're gonna play Conquer today." I, I I can't I I can't say for certain whether I would suggest the N sixty four or the Xbox version. Right. One or the other. They're both available on Xbox technically. The N64 version is on Rare Replay and then the Xbox version is uh Conquer's um live and reloaded. Yeah, I never played that version. I played both versions. Um yes, the Xbox version looks nicer. Um it does have this joke at the beginning of oh, well we're doing a remake and you you're changing things on me. Okay, you get this one thing at the beginning and then don't do any more of that. <laughs> Which is kind of the basis for a uh banjo x game that they tried to make on the xbox uh they were they were going through multiple phases of of the next banjo game and they had ideas of well what if we do the first game again okay well what if we do the first game again but we flip expectations throughout the game self-awareness of of a remake sort of thing it's like like what it's it's kind of how finally seven remake eventually ended up working out um so at this point gamecube's out and Rare has games in development for the GameCube. We know they're working on Perfect Dark 2, and we know they are working on... Um, there was another sequel that they were working on. Well, there was there were tech demos for Perfect Dark, which I don't know if that was actually a game right. at that point. Uh, and there was, was a tech demo for Banjo mm-hmm. showing just numerous enemies on screen, and uh, that was confirmed later to just be a tech demo. Yeah, uh, there was a game called Cameo that was also in development. Cameo was in development, Which yes. eventually moved to the Xbox 360. It was a launch title. I think it moved to the Xbox and then to the 360. Like that, that, was, that was such a long... Because this was around the time we actually only had one more release by Rare on Nintendo consoles as far as the, the home consoles. There were a few handheld releases here and there. Um, that's just based on licensing agreements with Microsoft. Uh, because this is the time where Microsoft bought Rare. And their last release on the Nintendo system was Star Fox Adventures, which started as an N64 game called Star Fox Dinosaur Planet. Or sorry, or it's just Dino- Dinosaur, Planet. Dinosaur Planet. And eventually they attached the Star Fox IP to it. I assume to draw more attention to it, sell more copies. Um, 
Yeah. And you can actually go on the internet and find a version of Dinosaur Planet for the N64. And there is a community around this game, this version uh, in particular of the game, that uh, creates patches to help fix the game and make it more playable. Um, yeah, and it did release on the GameCube as Star Fox Adventures. I really like Star Fox Adventures. I never beat it, but it's really fun. It's almost got a Zelda kind of feel to it in a lot of ways. See, that's that's. it hurts that I, I haven't played it because it's like, oh man, it's a, kind of a Zelda-like, but Star Fox, that sounds great. It's worth going back and playing. I got, I, 100%. I got to do it at some point. Yeah, so definitely check that out. I played Star Fox Assault yet, uh, <coughs> but not Star Fox Adventures. Go figure. <coughs> so after 2002, when that released, <coughs> excuse me, the, uh, the Rare train shifted over to Microsoft because Microsoft bought Rare. That's uh, about 2003. Yep. And that is when um, a lot of those projects shifted over to the Xbox systems. Perfect Dark became Perfect Dark Zero, which was also a launch game on the Xbox uh, 360. Yep. Uh, of course, Cameo came out around that time. After that, we would only get some like DS releases. I've got a DS port of Diddy Kong Racing. Uh, they did a Viva Pinata game on the DS. THQ made uh, Banjo Grunty's Revenge. Thank you. On the Game Boy Advance. Which, um, hot take for me. I think that is the better sequel than Banjo Tooie. Interesting. Yeah, that, I think was, it, that was the Game Boy Advance game, right? Yes, Game Boy. Uh, it was an isometric game, and it I think adhered better to <laughs> some of the ideas and principles of uh, the collectathon in Banjo Kazooie than Banjo Tooie did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that like that's the last Banjo-related project that ever existed. Like there was never anything Banjo-related with cars ever. Ever. I don't know what you're talking about. Nobody knows what we're talking about. That There's, there is no Stop and Swap 2. No Stop and Swap 2. We haven't even talked about Stop and Swap. I'm not even familiar with Stop and Swap. You're not? No. Okay, so <laughs> back when Banjo-Kazooie came out, eventually people found out through GameShark or otherwise, uh, mostly through the end credits, if you uh, completed the game, you would see, oh, you can get to the uh, Shark Island in uh, Church of Show Cove. And there'd be an egg at the top of uh, the inside. Or, oh, in the cellar, you can get, uh, of uh, Mad Monster Mansion, you can get an egg there. There's that infamous ice key where you can see it, but you're blocked off by ice in a freeze-easy peak. So people eventually figured out through GameShark or other means of glitches to get these items. And you'd have another uh, menu item that would say stop and swap. And you'd have these eggs, you'd have the key, and that's it. You wouldn't know, you, you, you don't know what else... And was involved with that. Uh, it wasn't until the Xbox Live Arcade version where you could legitimately get those items and carry them over to Banjo-Tooie and you would basically just unlock gamer pictures. Interesting. <laughs> or, or, or a theme for your console, <clears throat> which you can definitely not use anymore on the Series X. Uh, the gamer pictures, yeah, I think you can, but rest in peace themes on, on oh. PS5 and Xbox. Yeah, for sure. I, I miss those. And even, like, the 3DS had themes, too, which was great. Um, by the way, the game that we were hitting at is not existing. That is uh, Banjo Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. Just per just pretend it doesn't exist and go on with your life. I think I think Stop and Swap for the Xbox Live Arcade games does uh, implement in there as well. And then they have a Stop and Swap 2, which I can't imagine them actually. <laughs> that that has to just be a, one of those rare jokes where it's like, yeah, it exists. We're not going to do anything with it. But Stop and Swap 1 um, was the idea of you would have some amount of memory left in the console after you turn it off. It was about 12 seconds. So you could just quick swap your cartridge, load up another game, and oh, hey, you get this uh, stuff in another game. Hmm. 
Uh, that was reduced down to less than a second on revisions of N64 hardware, and Nintendo also was like, no, we, we really don't want you to be hurting the hardware yeah, by Justin, doing that. Justin does not like his conversation. What, stop and swap? Yeah. Why not? Just swapping cartridges, this and that. <sighs> he doesn't like hacks. It's not a hack. It's part of, it's, it was part of the game. Well, this is true. This but is they, true. they had a whole cycle of, of games where you would uh, swap things. Banjo-Kazooie, Banjo-Tooie. Uh, there are references. The ice key, I think, is in Donkey Kong 64. Uh, Perfect Dark. Uh, I'm not remembering the entire uh, supposed loop, but it would actually loop back around to getting you something in uh, Banjo-Kazooie. That's actually really cool. It was it was pretty ambitious, but they had to cut it, and what you have left in the game is, is just remnants of that, which kind of part for the course of the time. You could find a lot of remnants of things uh, in, in a lot of uh, rare games that you... Are looking, or if you have a Game Shark and you uh, know where you're hacking in, but just just a you That's know just, just a very concept. experimental time, just a you know. Uh, the relationship between Rare and Nintendo has rekindled as of late because Nintendo has, like I said earlier, become very buddy buddy with Microsoft um, to the point that we've had a lot of Microsoft and Rare particular properties that have appeared on Nintendo, um, with you know Banjo being at Smash, with uh, the Rule. In, yeah, King of Rule and Smash with the upcoming release of GoldenEye on the Switch, on uh, Nintendo Switch Online. Of course, Banjo-Kazooie is on the Nintendo Switch Online. I believe Banjo-Tooie is as well. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if at some point we get some sort of Conquer release on the Switch. At the same time, it probably would surprise me if we did. I'm not, uh, I'm not seeing Conquer happening. I doubt it unless it's a uh, retail release because of the uh, ESRB rating. That's the only way I could see it happening. Yeah, I think they want to. I think they want to stay within a certain ESRB rating for their collection. I agree. It's, it's pretty much an all or nothing when you uh, I, yeah, launch that like, there's app. There's been rumors for years that Rare Replay would come to Switch. I think that's the other way we'd see it. Is if it was a Rare Replay, it, it really, really would be nice for that to happen. But I, I think it's appropriate. So much of that relies on emulation and targeting the Xbox for emulation. Right. And it's, it's uh, not as to, easy as poor as everyone would think it would be. And then you'd have to find replacements for Viva Pinata One and Two and. Uh, some banjo game that you know whatever Ooh. xbox 360 games <laughs> need need to be uh swapped yeah, out with they, they wouldn't they definitely would make the appearance so that is nintendo and rare so let's move on to our nintendo super nintendo bros seal of quality discussion now let's to kind of go into detail for those of you who are new to the show every episode we give a game a super nintendo bros seal of quality ranking so there are Four, no wait, five potential Super Nintendo Bros. Seal of Quality levels. Starting from the bottom, we have the, well, let's start from the top. It's more front there. The top is the Super Nintendo Bros. Gold Seal of Quality. This is for the best of the best. This is for games that are absolutely 100% you should play. Go back and play these games without hesitation. Silver, these are great games that you should play. If you haven't played them, that's understandable. Bronze, these are games that are really good. Um, but they're not necessarily for everybody. Uh, maybe they haven't aged as well as some of the other games. Next, we have the Super Nintendo Bros. No Seal of Quality, which we don't give it a Seal of Quality. Instead, they get the Super Nintendo Bros. Participation Trophy. And then finally, we have the Super Nintendo Bros. Golden Korok Poo Seal of Quality. Because at the end of Breath of the Wild, if you get all the Korok seeds, you get a golden pile of Korok poop. So these games are literally shit. Okay. So these are for the worst games out there. Okay. I've, 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 I've listened to enough podcast episodes that I need to call this out. In Japan, Japanese culture, uh, from what I've read online, not from any, you know, 
real uh, experience of Japanese culture, mind you. The golden poo is a uh, sign of good luck. It is not meant to be, uh, I mean, it could be kind of interpreted as a joke, sure, but um, it, it has some significance past uh, well, we get that, and it doesn't translate well to the U.S. We give these games that golden Clorox poo seal of quality, as in you fucking suck. Good luck on the next title you release. I do like that pivot. Yes, <laughs> Donkey Kong Country too. I want to kind of give my pitch first because this is for those of you out there who have listened to uh, my old podcast, Gears of Gaming. We've discussed this at length on that show. I think I've discussed it on this show. Uh, in my opinion. And I'm going to preface it with this. If you were to hold a gun to my head and say, hey, if you're going to a desert island, pick a 2D platformer, I'm picking Super Mario World. But as far as mechanics, um, balance of gameplay, bosses, everything else, in my opinion, and this is basically my, the sentence I'm about to say is going to tell you exactly why I, I would put this. Donkey Kong Country 2 is the greatest 2D platformer ever made. The boss fights are amazing. It has the best final boss fight of possibly any game ever, especially in a 2D game ever. I can't think of a better final boss in any kind of platformer than the King K. Rule fight in DKC2. Love it. Um, it has great difficulty that balances and moves with you the better you get at the game. The further you get in, the harder it gets. Soundtrack is out of this world. Uh, my only complaint about the game is one of the final levels with uh, all the thorns, which... Whew, I can't remember the sage right off, but that sage is fucking impossible and you're going to play it over and over and over again. But there's definitely places where you can go back and stock up on extra lives and come back and try again and again. And all the while, while you're dying constantly in that stage, you get to listen to amazing music, at least. Sticker Brush Symphony. That's, Sticker Brush Symphony. That's all you really need to know yeah. about DKC2. Um, my, my opinion, personally, is that Donkey Kong Country 2 gets a very coveted and rare gold Super Nintendo Bros. Seal of quality from me. You, you just had to add one more pun into this podcast, didn't you? With wow, all, that was totally all... unintended. But nice. <laughs> oh, nice that was That was unintended. But you, but you put emphasis on that. Come on. Well, that's because Don't we tell only, me. That's because to date, we've only given out one gold seal of quality, and that was the Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. So, did you play uh, Donkey Kong Country Returns or Tropical Freeze? I played a little bit of Returns. I did beat Tropical Freeze. They're both great. I love Tropical Freeze. I did everything in Tropical Freeze and Returns, actually. Uh, some of those final levels, especially the hidden ones, can be uh, incredibly, incredibly difficult, yeah. especially if you are like me and you want to try to get everything in the game. Yeah. Um, I played Donkey Kong Country 2 way after the fact. I can respect it. I I mean, I would ha I, I'm torn between silver and gold because the, Tropical Freeze is just such a masterpiece. Tropical Freeze is also way up there for me. Very, very good. Has some amazing music in it. Um, so if you're torn between silver and gold and not sure which one to give it, I'm giving it a gold. To me, that can only put it in one place. I mean, I, gotta, I, I guess I got to put it in gold or otherwise uh, people in the other room are just going to bust down that door. and. Just... <laughs> well, you said you were torn between silver and gold. So you're like yeah. kind of halfway between not yeah, yeah, gold. Yeah. So at, if you're going to put it on an average at that point, it's going to be a gold. Right. Yeah. So that being said, I, that was a really short silver uh, quality discussion. Really... To say really, was, really in depth, really uh, nuanced. Yeah. Yes. Play the game for yourself. Fantastic soundtrack. Dixie Kong is one of the most fun, playable characters in any 2D platformer. Um, you get her and Diddy. It's a great time. Level design, great. Graphics, great. Final boss fight, absolutely 100% top notch. One of my favorite final boss fights in gaming, which also has great music there as well. Sticker Brush Symphony.
patreon.com slash 13 palm trees. I think that is the correct website. I may have just given the complete wrong Patreon. I'm going to probably look this up. Look how prepared I am. Dot com slash 13. We didn't even talk about Grab by the Ghoulies. Well, I didn't release on Nintendo. That was an Xbox game. <laughs> That's for the non-Nintendo podcast. That's for the non-Nintendo podcast, which we, which we do not have. Yeah, so third, uh, patreon.com slash 13 palm trees. That is the word 13 spelled out, palm trees. That is the collective Patreon account for all of the 13 palm trees products. That gives you... Uh, that lets you support different shows like D&D Kinda, uh, the Final Girl Podcast, Wasted Local Fantasy Football, the newest podcast under the uh, shade of 13 Palm Trees, which is also called Under the Shade, uh, which is basically 13 Palm Trees associates get together and just talk about whatever, talk about what kind of products they're working on. And of course, Super Nintendo Bros also included on that. Uh, so that Patreon Basically, what that does is it helps support all of the shows that are under the umbrella of the company. Uh, also, you know, money from that goes toward you know studio upgrades, which you know Michael and Daniel uh, and Jed and Ryan, who are the, the four like owners of Thirteen Palm Trees, they do a great job of you know constantly looking to better the studio, uh, making this place better and better, keeping up with newer technology. Um, even though I like to come around and fuck around with Daniel's cords. Uh, speaking of Daniel, I just want to point out that this Patreon is not his condom fund. He just, I swear he does not use that money from the Patreon fund on condoms. Trust me, he doesn't need them. Ha. That is the joke. That is the joke. It's a which, terrible which joke. I don't, which I don't really get, yeah. unfortunately, but because nobody that's wants, okay. It's because nobody wants to touch his pee-pee. Um, it's wow. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so check out our, the Patreon page. Go ahead and support there. There are tiers as low as a dollar. Uh, I personally would recommend the uh, the ten dollar tier. I believe it is, which is the sticker of the month club. So you got to get your uh, thirteen palm trees stickers. There are some really cool ones um, that are out there. I again, I may be wrong. It would be the five dollar tier. Uh, I, I feel totally unprepared to talk about the patreon because M michael usually does this feel and i just make a daniel joke so yeah check that out check out our discord as always i talked about that at the beginning of the episode uh check out dog Kong country too russ where can we find you on the internet mostly on the discord uh super Nintendo brothers podcast discord yep uh i'm also on twitter russ bus 64 uh i post things every once in a while mostly just do likes and uh or retweets for prizes that i don't win once in a blue moon, I might oh. win something. Uh, also, just to clarify, it is a ten dollar tier. It's a sticker month club. Oh, okay. So that's that's where you get that. Uh, check out uh, all of our thirteen palm trees. We're, we're we're more than just podcasts. We have a couple. We have photography. Uh, we have a YouTube channel that is not our YouTube channel. It's Daniel's YouTube channel. It's the Party Bee on YouTube. He's awesome. He uh, does a lot. He just you know plays really could get cool games. Dude, I promise you, he'll make you laugh every time you watch one of his videos. Uh, but yeah. That's, uh, that's about all we have today. So until next time, happy gaming. <laughs>